This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast. You're the hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. We've been away for a few weeks, to say the least. Uh, me and Joe have been super, super busy, but we had to make time for a fantastic opportunity um, to interview, well, a man who we've known for quite a long time and has helped out quite a lot. I'm very grateful for his time on tonight. Um, but before we introduce him, Joe, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm, uh, I've recovered from my surgery. Uh, well, I've managed to make the three-hour journey to Newport with one half a leg. So, yeah, no, all good now. And... Um, yeah, we there hasn't been much, but there's only been one game I think we've missed, doesn't it? Missed talking Yeah, literally. About. Well, yeah, there was a few cup games, wasn't there? Um, and obviously, bed Salford on yeah. on Saturday, which we'll touch upon later in the week. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's been a good time. Yeah, um, okay, before we introduce uh, the main man, we've also got uh, sporting director returning to the podcast, Liam Sweeting. Liam, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here again. Good to see you guys. Andrew, mate, Andrew. Uh, I will introduce the main guest of the evening. Um, Head of Communications, done 602 games uh, involved in the media department for MK Dons. Uh, Ant, Ant, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's um, weird to... I've been on a few of these. Normally just hide in the background on mute and listen in, but uh, no, I appreciate you you having me on and uh, yeah, looking forward to, to, to talking with you guys. Yeah, no worries. I really appreciate you taking the time yourself and Liam to come onto the podcast. And I suppose a good place to start from, obviously, just a bit of bigger context, everyone sits to the podcast and maybe doesn't understand the full role of what a head of comms may do at a football club. And obviously, I'm assuming you've been doing a lot of reviewing of that recently in your sort of transition over. Um, chat to us a bit about, obviously, your role now, maybe how it's developed since you first joined and how it has been, obviously, in the transitions this season as well. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's been over 11 years now, so the world's changed, the media world's changed, football has changed in, the, in that time. So I joined straight out of school um, and uh, just worked as a media assistant. But the, the time I came in was quite interesting. It was just as social media was was booming. So when I first came in, everything was pretty much website-based. Um, video was just starting to creep in, but, pretty, you know, everyone just went to the website for the match report, latest news, read the programme. Um, and then kind of when I came in in 2012, social media really started to take a lead. So um, that's a big part of the role now. So in terms of the, the role description, um, all, all media output from the football club, external, um, internal as well, that the you know, stuff we send around comes through the department. 
um, which I head up. So uh, it's a small department. We we lean on a lot of resource with, from our marketing uh, team and our design team as well. But uh, yeah, cover the website, the social media, the video output, um, and then also all the external comms that goes on. So liaising with with local media, national media, um, dealing with the interview requests that you get, the press conferences you have to host before every game, um, EFL requirements. So. Yeah, a, a pretty full-on job, but it's something I've 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 been very fortunate to be able to do for eleven years. It's something I love, um, and even even more special bit to be able to do it for the the club I support and and grew up supporting. And uh, yeah, fortunately able to stay in that in, in what I'm going to do next. But yeah, no, it has been special to be able to do it at a place like this. And um, yeah, no, hopefully hopefully uh, won't be a stranger to it. But uh, be be interesting to watch it from uh, watch it from a distance. Have you had um, Liam bang on your door much in terms of the past sort of six months to a year in terms of um, media stuff, or has it been pretty quiet from Mr. Sweet? And uh, look, we're, we're, everyone, it's a collaborative effort. I'm, I'm, it's not you know, c- communication decisions aren't just made by myself or or Pete or Liam or the manager. You, you, we're, we're very collaborative at MK Dons, and I think everyone said that. In you know, the manager said that in interviews. The chairman said that. Liam said that as well. Um, so. While it might not necessarily be Liam in front of the camera or, or Pete in front of the camera, a lot of the decisions and, and communications that we make as a club, are, are, you know, it isn't just one person's decision. Um, you know, we've got a lot of very, very, very good people at MK Dons um, who, um, you know, some have been some have been a club a long, long, long time as well, and, and, and made key impacts and um, played a big part in what you know in the successes that the club's had in the past as well. So we've lent, we lean on a lot of that. Um, but no, Liam's been fantastic for me. Um, you know, since he came in as sporting director, obviously I worked under Andy Cullen when I first came in. Um, worked closely with him, and then obviously kind of Liam Sweeting in terms of that football leadership role and Simon Crampton. Um, you know, they, they've been very supportive, and you know the access that that we get, that we're able to provide. I, I hope to, to supporters behind the scenes, the interviews we're able to do, all of that is a is a collaborative effort with the first team in terms of being able to you know be as open and transparent as we are and. I think that's one thing that I'm, I'm I'm quite proud of what we've been able to do is is be very transparent whether people like what we've said or um, uh, like what certain people in the club have uh, have had to say. I think we've been very transparent with a lot of a lot of the ups and downs that this club's been through in the last few years. Um, you know, we've always put someone out to speak. We're we're not a club that no comments. We're not a club that hides. Um, we tend to face things head on. That comes from the chairman. That comes from Liam comes from the managers that we've had the players as well in fairness we're, we're quite strong and strict on what the players have to do it's not a requirement at this level for the players to have to address the media before and after games but it's something the club's very feels very strongly about um so whenever you hear from a player pre-match or post-match that's that's not always a you know that's not always the case across the EFL but it's something that, that we try and do because we do want to be open we do want to be engaging and we want you know yeah, you know, hopefully, ultimately, everything we do is for the, is is for the fans and for the success of the football club, and we want people to feel engaged and um, connected to their football club. And I hope we've all played a part in that. I think you're you're really unique in that sense, Ant. And I've got to say, you've um, shred the line of of what's best for the club and what the fans want to hear extremely well. And that's what I've, I've always valued where you come from in that sense because there have been some difficult moments we've had to address and some good ones as well um, and you've always had um, watch right and and you know watch right from a, from a from a fan's perspective so I think we've all taken that for granted for a long time but you absolutely deserve you know a lot of credit for that so um, here's, uh, I think 
Yeah, I think I, you know. Naturally, appreciate. It. I, I do think naturally. I mean, I, I've been a fan. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to that maybe in terms of work. You know, my background, but I've been a fan. I've been where you two are sitting, uh, Liam and Joe. I've been where the fans that listen to this have been. You know, I, I was a season holder from the very beginning. Wimbledon, MK Dons. Um, this is my club, so I, I I completely get what the fans want to hear and what they want to understand. And there's you know there, there is a balance. Liam touched on it. There's certain things that we can't talk about. Um, maybe I can get into a little bit of that, you know, during this conversation, but there's, there's certain things that, you know, my balance is protecting the football club and making sure the football club is successful on the pitch and playing my part as a commu- head of communications in that. And then also always trying to get what's best for the fans as well to keep them engaged. So it is a fine balance, but I like to think we've, we've done as best as we can to, 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 to balance that. I think, I think that's the perfect time then to tell us about how you got into you know, not just into the job, but actually supported Milton Keynes uh, Dons in the first place. How, how did that come about? Who did you support before? That's what everyone always asks, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, genuine question. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I think I, I, well, I, I've lived around here my whole life. Um, so uh, my dad was a Man United fan. So typical, someone in the South. Um, well, they're not that common anymore. Um, so I grew up supporting Man United, uh, but never really watched live football. Loved football, always played it, always watched it. Um, always used to, you know, commentate on myself playing in the living room, speak to my parents about that. It was something I always used to do. I, I, I absolutely couldn't get enough of it. And, um, you know, I think like the rest of us that were kind of my age when when Wimbledon moved, wasn't really aware of anything going on. I just, I always remember it vividly, a, a conversation my dad had. We were at my grandparents' house. It was on the news, and my dad said, "Oh, look, Wimbledon are moving to Milton Keynes. Should we go, should we go and watch them?" Um, I had no idea who Wimbledon were, um, but yeah, why not? Let's go and watch some live football. I think I'd seen one or two games Northampton or Russian and Diamonds with with local football teams and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we signed up all in season ticket at the first game. Um, did the first season. I remember uh, Wimbledon getting relegated, and it was Derby last game of the season, at the Hockey Stadium. And I remember the players all came round. I remember Paul Heald. It wasn't Paul Heald, sorry. It was Scott Bevan uh, threw his shirt in the crowd and my dad wrestled uh, this shirt off another dad. Um, so uh, I managed to get hold of that. So I've still got that somewhere. The last ever match-worn Wimbledon goalkeeper shirt, which I got the whole team to sign because they were all in the bar after the game. Um, got a season to get when it, obviously, when the club, Formed as MK, reformed as MK Dons, and um, yeah, season to get holder ever since, and uh, absolutely loved it. Um, was there for the for the Gareth Eds game. The you know that's the day I'll probably say I became a fan um, on the pitch. Or I'll probably get in trouble for saying that. Um, can't condone that as uh, still a club employee, but I was there, I was there celebrating celebrating that, and uh, and yeah, season to hold up until up until I was fortunate enough to get um, a, a part time job here. Um, through, with Lee Scriven, who I was just a work experience kid doing some work experience with the coaching department, and uh, and Lee Scriven walked past us as we were having lunch and asked if if we could help carry some camera equipment up to 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 the control room where they you know the the studio is that they control the big screens. Um, and uh, as we did that, we he asked he asked us all a question. He said, "Look, I, I need someone to do the camera for the game tonight." Um, Whoever can guess what song this is, as this music was playing in the background, if whoever can guess this song is, you can do it. And it was some rock song. I mean, I, I mean, I'm more into my rock music now, um, but none of us had any idea. Um, but I did spot at the corner of my eye that it had Led Zeppelin written on the uh, 
little screen in the in the corner of his computer so um tried my luck and uh yeah rest is history as they say um got a part-time job and and lucky enough that turned into into a full-time position here Yeah, I think in terms of uh, you being a fan on the pitch, I think you've only got a few days left. I think you'll uh, you'll get away with it just about. And, uh, I think you'll be all right. Um, obviously, as I said, you've been here for you know, just north of 11 years now. And there's been, as you sort of alluded to at the start, so many ups and downs. And a bit like the roundabouts in Milton Keynes, you've kind of gone round and round as a club in some senses. Um, talk to us a bit about, I suppose, the highs of like, obviously, the championship season. Obviously, it's two seasons before, obviously, with the likes of um, Scott Twyman, Matt O'Reilly, etc. And obviously, perhaps maybe some of the periods where it's not been so good, like, well, I mean, you could say last season, but there's other points as well that you could maybe allude to. Yeah, it, it's football, isn't it? You know, we live and breathe it as staff like the fans do. Um, and then a couple of the fact that you're a fan and a staff member, it can uh, you yeah. can certainly tell the emotions that you go through. But yeah, it's, it's been up and down. I remember the, my first season... Um, you had the AFC Wimbledon game, so within two or three months of, of me working there, you had the AFC Wimbledon game, um, beating them um, with the whole press box, everyone in uh, old Wimbledon gear, cheering on AFC, and uh, us scoring obviously a last minute winner, which was uh, which was a fantastic moment. Um, Man, you know, you then go on to the Man United year, the Man United game, sorry, the the promotion year, the highs of that. You know, there, there are some pinch me moments. You know, we, we, I'm very fortunate in my position that. Um, you know, you, you get to be really part of it. You know, I think the fans do feel part of it, but you know, th- there's something special about you know being inside it, and um, it's something I won't ever take for granted. You know, some of the moments that I've been able to enjoy at MK Dons, you know, you're the first person that the, that the team kind of see out of their bubble um, after every game, so that can be great when you win because you know everyone's really happy and you, you're obviously part of that. But it can be really tough as well when you lose. Um, and you've got to be the kind of the first person that the manager or the players see when they kind of come out of their own little bubble. So um, it's definitely ups and downs. There's it's been some tough moments. There's been some, you know, days when I've questioned that if this is what I want to do, because it's not like any other job, you can't really switch off. Um, it's, it's, it's 24-7. You're always on call. There's always something going on. So there's been times I've questioned it, but I think the, the lure of the, of those positive moments, the same reason we go back as fans, you know, that yeah. even if you go through tough times, even if it's years upon years of tough times, you still keep coming back of just the hope that eventually it's going to turn and you're going to have that positive moment again. Um, and uh, I suppose as a head of communications, it's kind of my job to, to, to understand the way that everyone's feeling. And, and I've, I've hope I've done that in terms of, you know, we've always tried to be quite respectful of when things are going wrong. And we've always tried to, you know, um, you know, show that the club are understanding of that. And we've always tried to, you know, change our uh, coverage to, to appease that. And then likewise, you know, when, when things are going well and um, things are positive, we always try to take advantage of that with some of our content and um, uh, and make sure that, the you know, we really get across the personalities and the excitement that's going on behind the scenes and, and, and build on that. So, yeah, been, up, been ups and downs, loved. Every, I say I'd loved every minute. It's an easy thing to say. There's been some minutes that I've probably not... <laughs> Um, but uh, no, I, you know, ultimately, I think what's pleasing is through the ups and downs. I think I'm, I think I'm leaving in a with the club in a, you know, not in a position we want to be in. Um, you know, certainly not in, in in this division. But I think the arrows starting to point in the right direction again, which is which is quite nice to see. Yeah, no, I think um, I got Jake Carroll gone. Yeah, well, in, you know, just on on the ups and downs. I've been coming regularly for since about maybe 2011 or so. 
And during that time, I think there's maybe one season where we've not been either going for promotion or in a bit of a relegation battle. And that was probably the COVID season, funnily enough. Um, because even, you know, when Russell Martin first came in, we were kind of staring down the barrel a little bit at, at that time. And, you know, you got, got us safe by then. But I think um, at least it's never boring. We're not, we're not boring. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> you, absolutely. Um, I, I, I remember thinking that, you know, before when, you know, we've always got something to play for. You know, very rarely as, as MK Don's been boring. We always tend to something going on. And yes, of course, we all want it to be positive. Um, we do. But uh, yeah, I suppose as head of communications, I've always had something to talk about. There's always something keeping me busy, whether it's um, writing statements uh, or, uh, or or producing or getting ready promotion material. I've always had something to do. But, uh, you know, it's been it's been fun. And uh, on that, when when you're because sometimes when we're doing the podcast we find I find it almost harder to do it when we're winning because you can't really you know it's you kind of say well yeah we're, we're really good you know and, and kind of you know there's only so many times you can say that so I mean I guess in terms of getting that stuff out of the players is it harder I, mean, I suppose they're not really wanting to talk to you when um when we're not doing very well but I mean how do you find you know interacting with the players and trying to put kind of content out that the fans are going to be happy with because ultimately the fans probably want to hear the players, you know, taking the blame or, you know, putting some reasons out for this part or the other, but, you know, how do you kind of strike that balance? And then also on the same side, you know, I think Liam Manning, he, his catchphrase was don't get too high, don't get too low, wasn't it? And it's probably quite boring and it was very repetitive, but, you know, if that's what was working, then that was what was working. You can't just, um, you know, come out and, Say so, yeah, that's I reckon we're the best team in the league, and we're going to do it, sort of thing, can we? And that 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 comes back to what I said earlier in terms of the balance. You know, there's a you've always got to be you know when people talk to the media, former manager kind of put this to me once, and I've always kind of used it. You're not just talking to to one person. You know, fans will think they're just talking to them when they do a press conference. You're not. You're talking to you are talking to the fans. They are a big part of who you're talking to. But the manager and the players are also talking to the players, their teammates. The manager is also talking to the owner when he does his press conference because he's watching. Um, other members of staff, the opposition, the team you just played. You know, there's so many people that when you do a press conference that you're talking to, that's part of my job is to work with the players and work with the manager to make sure that as best as you can, you're appeasing everyone um, or not. You know, you can't appease everyone, but ultimately prioritizing who is the most important person to speak to at this moment. And often it's the fans, but sometimes it might be really important that the manager does something that speaks to the players. So perfect example, which um, will always irate fans, is why a manager doesn't come out and just hammer the players after a really bad defeat. Because he he needs them players on the Tuesday. You know, he, he he's probably done it behind the scenes. Nine times out of ten, they have gone and done it behind the scenes, trust me. But there's no value in coming out and doing that in the press as well, because then suddenly... Liam's having a load of call from agents <laughs> that are unhappy about um, the way the player's been spoken to. The players aren't happy and that manager's going to need the players to go again on Tuesday. So it can be frustrating for the fans, but that's the type of moment there where me and the manager would sit and have a discussion like we do before every press conference and, and, and we would work out, look, what is the most important way to, to, to play this? You know, who do we need to speak to? And sometimes you do need to speak to the fans. So sometimes it will be important that the manager comes out and is, is, is quite honest and quite critical because we actually the priority is to talk to the fans. Or it might be that he needs to say something that he thinks the owner needs to hear, um, or something that the opposition coming up need to hear. So, coming back to what you say, that there's a balancing act, um, and 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 I think 
you know, when you're playing well, it's important to kind of temper expectations because you don't want to get people too carried away because naturally, why would we want to overhype expectations? The expectation is going to be there anyway if we're winning, but why would we ramp that up even more with stuff we're saying? So you very rarely see teams come out and say, you know, we're going for promotion or, you know, this is the target. Everyone will always be a little bit sly in terms of that. That doesn't, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going on behind the scenes. And I think there needs to be some trust value sometimes in that, you know, we are operating properly. We do understand that, the target's this or we do understand that that performance wasn't very good um but trust us behind the scenes we're aware of that publicly there's a there's a certain there's a certain image we got we got to say um and it and it, and it can be tough you know dragging it yes you know, one of the hardest parts of my job you know there's a there's a human element to it one of the hardest parts of my job is to um is to is to, to see these guys after defeats you know the manager's human um managers that i've worked for that have unfortunately lost their jobs here they're human beings it's their job. They've got families. Um, and as I said earlier, I've sometimes got to be the first person they see after they come out of the bubble when that's probably playing on their head. And I've got to drag them to go and do a press conference. So it can be tough. Um, it can be tough. Um, I'm, I'm very keen on relationships. I work really hard at building relationships with the managers, building relationships with the players that, you know, there's a trust factor. Um, ultimately, I'm the club's press officer. So I'm never going to put them in a position that I I, I think will will put them, you know, to damage them. Um Ultimately, with the manager, the manager has to go and do a press conference. Unfortunately, so while it might not be his best interest to do it, he has to go and do it. But it's uh, it's my job to look after them as best as I can. Um, and yeah, there, there have been some sticky moments. I've had players tell me that they don't want to come out and do an interview, and I've been left embarrassed. Um, but to calm managers down in the in in their office before they've come out and do an interview as well, that happens uh, happens well more often with certain managers than others, but it does happen. Um, Any names? <laughs> uh no i mean you can probably work them out <laughs> you can probably work them out but uh so, you know it, and, and look they all you know some of them we've had some managers that are completely new to it um that have never done it before or, or not necessarily done it at this level or not done it as a manager um we've had obviously we've had ex-players that have come in that have maybe done interviews as a player but it's so much different when you come in to do it as manager so we've had so many different types we've had some managers that completely know what they're doing and, and have seen all these situations before same with players um but uh, but no, I, I, again, I think there's a good culture at Kidons. We don't, you know, we don't tend to, to bring in the wrong type of characters anyway. Um, certainly, you know, over the last three or four years, you know, the players that we've brought brought in, in terms of the personalities, in terms of their character, they aren't the sort of people that will refuse to do stuff and, and aren't afraid to face the music. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then if all else fails, you just go and pick Dean Lewington out, and he goes and does it, and uh, makes everything right again. <laughs> Uh, I suppose a question to both of you: Has there been, like, when it comes to the presses and and the personalities in particular, has there been a a particular player or a particular like person that you've really enjoyed or encouraged to like get in front of the camera because you know there'll be a box office, or has it purely been like a focus of like do the press conference and, and get out? Good question. I think a lot of the low knees have been brilliant, especially in the last few years. I mean, the big two for me are Ethan Led and Matt O'Reilly. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant characters. I'm go, I, going way back. Patrick Bamford was yeah. superb. Um, we, you know, it's it's hard because these you you forget these are young lads and you put them in some tricky situations. You know, Max Dean we've got at the moment is a great character, infectious, and you've got to be careful about actually. You know, we want to use him because he's a great personality, but actually, you got to remember he's so young, and you know, this does take. Suddenly, he becomes a spokesperson, and suddenly then. There's a lot of pressure on him to say the right things, and 
again, you've got to think for the player, you know, it comes back to the player, the player's doing an interview and, you know, again, as a fan, you you think he's just talking to you, which, you know, he is predominantly, but his teammates are all going to watch it, his manager's going to watch it, his family are all going to watch it. There's so many things going through their head when they come out to these interviews, so um, you do have to be careful with certain characters. There, there have been some great ones over the years. Um, it's actually a conversation that me and Toby have every, okay. pretty much once a month. We just list our best uh, best interview 11. We also do our worst interview 11, maybe one day. Um, I'll, I'll make that public. But there, there's, there's, been some, there's been some great ones over the years. Um, and, and you'd have seen them because we, we would get them out when, when we possibly can and, uh, and show off those personalities. And it can be tough sometimes in press conferences. And we try to do that in other ways with the, the pitch side videos that we do. Um, and uh, on the pitch, and I think that kind of gets across some of the personalities we've got as well. Because when you when you start to see it, we got we got a good group now. There's some good personalities in the, in this group, which I'm thinking are starting to come out, um, uh, and hopefully will come out a little bit more as we start winning games and um, you start to see some more of them on pitch celebrations and some more content behind the scenes. Fantastic. Well, speaking of personalities, maybe more off the pitch. Um, myself and Joe did a little reach around to ask you people that you've. Uh, Maybe previously worked with about um, your time at the club, and we've got one particular message here from a particular person. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes, Ant, hope you're okay, mate. Congratulations on a mega stint and the new job. It's more than well deserved. Look, Joe reached out to me and asked me to say a few words. Um, and I think the years we worked together, I probably saw you more than anyone else from getting speeding tickets to and from the Berry game, arguing with home fans at probably every away match, promotions, relegations, being breathalyzed by the police and the start of NFL fantasy. Um, it's been some journey, mate. And, and as a friend, I wanted to say thank you. You often work with people who, who say they're your mates, but the last few months have shown you actually do care. Um, you know, only a small handful of people contacted me each week after being made redundant, have asked how I am, sent me jobs, checked in on me mentally, um, and you're one of them people. You know, it's e- it's easy, I think, to say you care about people and harder to do it, especially in football where ego is everything. So all the best, mate. I hope your new job do some nice crumpets for you, and I'm sure I'll see you soon. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so if anyone doesn't know, that was um, a Cal or Cal Reed, who has obviously worked under Ant for quite a number of years and uh, obviously recently uh, moved on from the football club. Uh, any any comments to Ant? Huh. I want to clarify that it was Callum that got breathalyzed, <laughs> not me. Um, that doesn't surprise me based off of him, to be fair. No, and, he, and nothing came back, by the way. It was uh, <laughs> it was completely clear. I want to, I want to get that out for him. No, um, appreciate Cal. Obviously, I worked with Callum probably longer than I did anyone um very closely saw him pretty much every day our office isn't that big so we're definitely um working in close proximity and uh now i i 
I wish him all the best. He's he's a really good guy. He's going to get, um, he's going to have a good career and whatever he goes on to do next for sure. And uh, yeah, no, we shared some of them, some unbelievable memories with each other. So uh, speeding ticket at Berry was not one of them. <laughs> I think the the fans really relate to that period of social media growing and the work you and Carl did in that time. Re- really established in in my time at the club some of the closest connections I've ever seen. So um, it was, yeah, the work you you were doing and obviously what kind of Robbie's picking up now, I think people are picking up the work that you guys put together, you know, in, in and amongst some other times as well. But um, during my period, the post-match videos when you, you guys were on there, it seemed like it was every week. And it, yeah, I think that was some of the, some of the fondest memories of, in kind of recent history I've got for sure. Yeah. And I, and I will say, you know, I, I'm, Technically, Callum's boss, but I would, you know, we work collaboratively. He, he came up with some fantastic ideas. He, he deserves a lot of credit for um, a lot of that change and, and how we kind of evolved the social media and, you know, the connection that we were able to, I think, provide. I think certainly prior to COVID, the the year under Liam Manning when we, we finished third, I think it was probably at its absolute best in terms of how we were engaging with every with, with people and how personalities were coming across. He did have a big part to play in that. So, um, yeah, nah. Good to hear from him. I, I, I guess with that, actually, you've t- kind of touched on it. Um, you've, you briefly mentioned at the start how your role has changed from being maybe more of a journalist, I guess, and writing match reports yeah. to, you know, doing minute by minute feeds, doing, um, you know, team lineup graphics, making them do silly little videos when they score and, you know, all these sorts of things. And so talk us through the evolution of your job, essentially, in the last <laughs> 10 years. You're totally right. You know, when I first came in, it was the main bit was being able. You know, I I kind of got tasked with social media, but I remember it was it there was no t- videos or pictures with it. It was just putting out a, a little line and a link to the story, link to the website, and, and the main focus was uh, was writing content. I worked under Simon Porter when I first when I first came in, and uh, unbelievable journalist um, did a fantastic job here. Um, and you know, in terms of what she did for me, in terms of my writing skills, I, I you know, I'm I'm so grateful. You know, that's I say that's I'd say it's one of my strong strong points now, um, is 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 my content and ability to write and and put together press releases, put together interviews, um, interview pieces, long reads, and uh, you know, it's not necessarily what I'm going into do now, but I think it's something that I'm I'm proud to have under under my belt. Um, and then when Simone moved on and Ben Campbell came in, um, social media was really booming and, and Ben was great at that, you know, in terms of what he was able to, you know, kick off for our, our social media, you know, we certainly took it to a new level. And um, I learned a lot under him. Ben was, you know, fantastic at, you know, media relations. And, you know, that's the side of the role that you you guys probably won't see in terms of liaising with the media, liaising with the players, liaising with the manager, um, club officials upstairs as well. Ben was fantastic at that, such a good people person. I learned so much from him in terms of, um, how to talk to people, how to engage with people um, uh, and build relationships. And it's no surprise he went on to do what he did um, at the, at the you know, the, with, with West Ham and now the PGMOL. Um, yeah, it has evolved so much. And when I took over, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of everything. You know, you have to be able to um, record, a, you know, I, the perfect way to put it in, I have to organise the press conference in terms of get the press there. I have to brief the manager on, what's coming in the press conference. I then have to film the press conference, um, sometimes hold the mic. Uh, I then have to edit the press conference. I have to upload the press conference and I have to tweet about the press conference um, and then write a story off the back of it as well. 
so that's pretty much sums up kind of how how how, how widespread the role is. Um, I'm just conscious that I've just lifted people I've worked with and I haven't mentioned Lee Scriven. And uh, I do want to, I don't know if I'm going to get the opportunity, so I do want to say a big thank you to Lee as well um, because he's been there for me since the very beginning. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Lee. Uh, give me that part-time job, but also just being an unbelievable friend and mentor for this whole time um, and continues to to offer so much to the football club with his knowledge of Milton Keynes and football and the media marketing landscape. And yeah, I, I owe so much to him for, for, for what I've been able to achieve here and hopefully what I can go on and do as well. Make sure, um, I wanted to make sure I got that in because I didn't know. Oh, absolutely. Really go for it. Hey, it's your episode, you can do what you want. <laughs> Can we talk about NFL fantasy at the end of it? Oh, actually, actually we can. To be fair, yeah, uh, I'm ten and one in our league, so Cal um, Ray's not too happy about that. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about another time. I've lost six um, in a row. And I've lost six in a row, and I'm bottom. So I threatened to leave my leave leave my league today. So uh, not in a good place with that. So uh, on second thoughts, let's stick to uh, soccer. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about preseason trips and. Mm-hmm. away days potentially also obviously you've been on quite a few yourself obviously with germany in the summer also most most recently has there been a, a particular favorite in your mind in terms of pre-season and obviously even away days you want to mention that as well yeah pre-seasons are good i went uh we used to go to ireland every year uh with carl um when carl was here which was great um some uh Interesting stories, which probably aren't safe for this podcast, but I'm sure I can tell you guys if I if I see in the away end. But uh, no, some great trips. Pre-seasons are great. Um, you know, everyone's got that excitement, the buzz of a new season. It's great for staff to be able to get to know everyone. Um, you know, I think we had a really good trip this year to Germany um, with Graham. Um, and actually, I think the way it brought everyone together, you know, staff and players to, to be involved in that and, we had a really good site and, and we did a lot of things together and th- those those memories are great. You know, it's just even if, you know, just the hard work you do because you end up doing more work than if you were based here because um, it's long hours, it's a lot of sessions, it's very intense um, and then you've still got your day job as well to do, certainly in my role. Um, but you get with, with even this year with with Germany um, going away with, with, with Graham and his staff and, and, and this year's team, um, you know, the camp we went to was fantastic and everyone was, you know, it's such an intense time. You spend a lot of time with each other. It's long days. You know, the players do a lot of hard work. The staff do a lot of hard work to prepare them for. And even, you know, from the comms point of view, you're covering every session plus doing your day job that you've still got to keep an eye on back home. Um, but you do get to spend a lot of time with each other and they're great for building relationships. And, you know, you've you got a lot of good stories. And I think um, it's no surprise for me that the seasons we've had really, you know, really successful years and, and challenge we've always had a really good preseason at the start of it in terms of building those relationships um and in terms of away days i mean i don't know about you guys i liked it as a fan i like it as a club employee i love away days i think they're the ones yeah. that always stick out to me if i think about favorite games or moments they're always away from home something about i don't know if it's just being an mk dons person or a dons fan but something about going away to someone else's place where we're not wanted and we're not liked and we go and get a result um and our away you know i have to say our fans are absolutely fantastic away from home um you know through everything through all the ups and downs they've always been terrific in terms of getting behind the team and making noise even if we've been heavily outnumbered you know we remember us being at sunderland the 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 year recently under liam where we went there and won and you could hear our fans at sunderland there's like forty thousand people there it's just incredible and they're the ones that stick out for me um so many i could i could list them all i mean 
the ones that always stand out to me, um, probably Fleet. I, I always think about Fleetwood away from the year, the 2014-15 season when we got promoted. It always sticks out for me. Um, I remember it was, 3-0, was it? Yeah, so I remember it being nil-nil at half time. I remember uh, Preston winning. I remember sitting in like they have this little cupboard where you kind of do you go for your tea and coffee at half time. And I remember looking at Sky Sports News, and you, we were as a press contingent, we were just like, "This is it. We're not going to we're not going to get promoted now. It's playoffs." We went on had a fantastic second half, three nil, and then obviously Preston blew a lead at I think they were two nil up, and I think they drew two all. Was that Leon Leg? Yeah, Leon Leg. Me yeah. and Liam were going for this earlier about who the player was. That comes to me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, him and uh, what's his face? At George Moncur. George Moncur. Yeah, um, but I remember, um, remember that day we were we were sitting right behind, right in front of the directors, and and Pete and the directors were like literally staring at our screens as we, when we're we're freeing up, so no one cares about what where's going on in our game, um, and we're just following the score, and and, and we were buzzing that when we saw the Gillingham thing pop up on Twitter and uh, funny enough if you go back and watch the highlights on YouTube uh, of that game uh, right at the end they cut to Carl at full-time whistle and before he goes to shake hands with the opposition manager he doesn't really celebrate full-time he looks back up and that's where we all are uh, and we're like this like two all finished (laughs) and that's he does like a he does like a proper celebration Uh, that always always sticks out for me um and then I suppose in the other promotion, it'd be the Forest Green game, Russell Martin's last. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that always was one of the out. only ones I missed. Yeah, that, that always well. always stands out for me. Um, yeah, I love away days, and it's great. You know, the content we've been able to get in terms of people going on the pitch, um, getting those videos, and you know, the players celebrating. You know, that that they're, they're they're some of the most iconic ones. So uh, yeah, always always been a fan of away games. One of, one of the things I was just going to ask on that as well is um, during COVID, you were basically the away fans. You like you were the away end in some ways. Um, so how how did, like, you know, because and as well, I can imagine that when a goal is scored and about 20 people cheer, it's a bit, you know, you, do you go for it as much? How, how were away games in COVID? Aside from all the, you know, boring procedural stuff, like how was it in terms of yeah. just as a fan and as a worker, really? Me and Liam were talking about this earlier, weren't we, in the office? And for me, I, I don't think I'll ever take for granted being able to work in that period. Um, so unique when you think back to be a part of that period of football where no one was allowed to come and watch. And we were so, you know, for me, I'm so grateful mentally and personally and professionally that we, I, football was able to continue because I was able to, you know, my, my life stayed relatively normal, which is unlike a lot of people. Uh, unfortunately during that period we were able to go to work you know yes there were a lot of strict protocols and it wasn't work as we know it but we were able to go to work every day and I was still able to go and cover football matches and I'm so grateful for that and I think we were so desperate then to make sure that we got across that to the fans and made sure that you know because we understood what you know what you guys were going through not being there and um, you know we tried really hard to make sure we we gave access to to the fans that that weren't there and um, yeah it was tough I mean you have to stay quite reserved because ultimately the, the press box is still quite full. So you've still got journalists in there. You've still got the opposition media. So you still have to be quite respectful of, uh, of, uh, of celebrating. But I, th- I think if you listen back to some of the highlights, you'll definitely hear some of us. Um, you probably hear us talking over the, the commentators as well at, at times, but um, yeah, no, there were, there were some, there were some weird days sitting in stadium of light with, you know, all those empty seats and uh, 
uh, winning Andy Fisher there making well. crucial saves in the like, last minute. And yeah, stuff. but it just didn't feel. It just didn't feel. It just. We, I mean, look. If you're if you're holding on to as we did a year later, if you're holding on, you you know, if you're holding on to a win at Sunderland, it can feel. Even I feel nervous as a as a press person sitting away from it. So. It was a weird atmosphere in terms of it just, you never, you know, games were crazy because I don't think anyone really had that pressure on them. There wasn't that intensity. So, um, so I think you saw a lot of like high scoring games and, you know, a lot of weird things happen. So, uh, yeah, no, weird, weird time. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we, I certainly, I, I still do it. I do it if there's a, a crowd full of people. I'm terrible for celebrating when I probably shouldn't be. <laughs> Did you did you perhaps reserve yourself for the first visit to a certain place in Southwest London? Or, I mean, how was that as an experience? I remember. I could, I think, out of anyone, I could hear De- Dean Thornton the most that day. I think, um, I don't yeah. think he was really reining it in too much. Maybe you did a little bit more. Still, still, still weird. Um, obviously, great result. I had it in my back of my head what tweet I would put out if we won, and I'm very glad we got to be able to do it. Which was the Dons would turn home with all three points and a picture of uh, the new Plough Lane, which I thought was a clever play on words. Um, yeah, weird, weird. I I I probably didn't restrain. I didn't restrain myself when we had. Then they had fans there, which is probably one of my uh, closest shaves I've had as a as a press officer celebrating Troy Parrott's uh, last minute uh, equaliser there, right in front of a uh, right behind a fan who had spent all game uh, telling everyone that could possibly hear how much he wanted to bump into an MK Dons fan and give well MK fans, sorry, is what they would call them call us. Um, uh, uh, was you know, threatening all game to tell you know what he was going to do to an MK fan if he bumped into it and uh, yeah I told uh, it was Robbie's first experience of it Robbie who's my um, who's the media assistant here and I said look whatever happens Robbie you cannot celebrate so we're <laughs> right in the middle of their fans because we go playing so AFC Wimbledon we go plain clothes don't that you know make sound sound like an undercover police officer but we we don't go in mk don's gear because you are you know everyone kind of else is protected the players are kind of escorted in um you know the directors and um club officials go in with the away fans who kind of have their you know that that's kind of policed we're on the other side and we always were even even with the um the, the bubble games that we used to have at king's meadow everyone would kind of be put in certain areas where they were protected yet you know as a press officer we carried on as normal in the press area, but we would go plain clothes because no one would know who we are. Um, so we're sitting behind it. So I said, Robbie, please, like, you can't celebrate. It will look, it will look bad on us. It will, it will cause a lot of problems because we're writing with the fans. But um, I've performed the swiftest jump up and cheer and sit down and look around like, where that? who was that? Who was that celebrating? As the guy turns around threatening to, uh, uh, threatening to attack whoever it was. But uh, I couldn't help myself in that, in that moment. That was, uh, as I'm sure... I think a, uh, I, uh, to be fair, I contained myself more than Liam Sweeten did. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm that goal that, yeah. went in. Oh, I've, yeah, seen, was, I've seen the videos and pictures. I definitely contained yeah, myself more than Liam did. I was, I was fully immersed. Yeah, <laughs> cast all gear in the away end, cap on, and everything. I, that was fantastic. <laughs> oh, long, long live in the memory when that ball left Troy Parrott's foot for sure. I think we won limbs of the yeah, year or something year. on on like yeah. on a popular Twitter account. That it was looking back at the video, like it actually like that away and like, moved. It was just mm. it was crazy when that got went. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Um, I, I I mean, look, I probably won't be able to because of priority orders. But um, you know, obviously a shame that I won't be able to do the away game this year in a working capacity. But um, if I can find a way to get in, get get to that game, I'll, I'll obviously try and be there this time around as a fan. That'd be great. I'm sure in your time, Matt, you've had to do 
so many ridiculous tasks um, in your ever-changing role as head of communications. Has there been one or two particular tasks that have maybe gone a bit too far? I wonder where you've kind of thought, bloody, I've got to do this again. Um, Because I imagine you're there quite a lot on a match day. Um, Yeah, look, at a club like this, you end up getting dragged into all sorts. And I've had so many weird moments, um, you know, being in a dressing room at times where you probably shouldn't be in a dressing room because you had to do certain things. I think recently this year I had to help liaise us to get a sub on the bench last minute because someone pulled... I, you do get pulled to pillar place. I was actually talking about this with Liam earlier. I think the most random thing I've ever has ever happened to me at a football match was during the Man United game. Um, uh, and uh, it was during the second half. And uh, I spent... I actually missed the third goal because we were too busy trying to find a rat that had been spotted in the press box. So there I am with a Man United press officer searching around people's feet in the press box as Benick scores our third, trying to find a rat in the press box. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, that's probably... That's, that's a kind of gives an idea of the, the randomness that you, you can have in this job. But, uh, no, I think I think like, everyone chips in. So, uh, you know, we, we've always done things. You know, I remember I'm sure there was under a certain manager... Uh, we did a, I think the players are given a day off or recovery day. So a certain manager wanted to do a training session uh, to work out a new formation. It was more for the staff to see how a game played. Um, and so basically all the staff played an 11 v 11 against our backup team. I'm allowed to tell this story, aren't I, Liam? I'm not going to get in trouble. I've not named who you it was. Start, you've started yeah. now. So I've started know. now. So, um, played a staff game against the players. So all the staff, and I'm talking like the analysts, the the physios, the kit team. Actually, no. So, so it was, you know, pretty much everyone got to play in this game and it was a tactical game, but it was pretty intense. And the only two people who didn't get invited to play were me and Ian Lanning, the kit man. So I don't know what it says about my footballing ability, but... Uh, <laughs> I was pretty devastated. I was just asked to come and take pictures, which was uh, pretty upsetting. But uh, my one chance at, at probably getting a, a chance to play and, and prove myself and earn, my, um, earn, a, earn a pro contract was, was down the drain. Yeah, you, you mentioned random things out. I've just I've just remembered actually. Callum he messaged me before. I think it was that. I think it was actually the Wickham playoff game, and he said, "Are you near? A sh- are you on your way? Are you near a shop? Can you get Lucas Aid and uh, some Haribo?" I went, what, for you? He went, no, it's one of the players. <laughs> yeah, it is, it, it is stuff like that. It's stuff like that. The players will, you know, and, and that's, you know, at this level, everyone, this is where I was talking about everyone needs to chip in. You know, at certain, you know, at certain clubs, you'll have three or four people who are dedicated player liaisons and you have people that, that do certain things. Whereas at this club, you know, we all kind of have a relationship with the players and, and the staff. And so you will get pulled to pillar to post to do certain things, whether it's, you know, driving a player's car somewhere or, um, going to pick them up or yeah, picking them up a packet of Harry Bow or something before a game because they forgot it. Yeah, we, we we tend to, especially as media a lot, because we tend to be the people who travel up on the day. Um uh last minute, you know, we we do tend to uh to, to kind of get tasked with those jobs to to go and fetch someone off. I think we had to take Troy Parrott to Morecambe. Um I remember doing that once. A few of our uh, friends were on the train, I think, with you. Yeah, so I'd driven up separately. I think Callum had gone to get Troy from the train and then the train got cancelled. So then I had to divert off. So I was driving past Preston. I was driving past Deepdale when we had an hour till our game against Morecambe. Picked them up, drove them all the way there, got him in time for, you know, we had to we had to stop off at a shop so we can go and get a chicken sandwich or something. We had to text the physio to ask what's it suitable for him to have from Tesco. 
for a pre-match meal. Um, got him there and in time. He in like a COVID bubble or something. That's why he couldn't go up the. Uh, it was. It was because it was, that was something. the day he was allowed out. So he had served his isolation. I think he he tested positive or was part of a track and trace from being away with Ireland. Um, and yeah, we, we got him out that day, but obviously the team had travelled overnight the Friday. So there was always the plan. It would have been fine if the train worked. Uh, but, the, you know, our, our fantastic train system didn't. And, uh, it was slow yeah, in that day. It was. We, we got him there in time. We got there just in time to announce team news. And then uh, Liam Manning decided not to play him a single minute. So thanks for that. <laughs> I suppose we've already kind of covered... Um... I mean, cover it again if you want, but I suppose best social, media, best social media interaction. I mean, there's probably been quite a few. Obviously, you mentioned about the old um, AOC experience. It's been any more that kind of stick out to you? Um, I remember I remember we did one with, we did a cheeky one with Man United back in the day where I think Louis van Gaal had come out and said that the Leicester defeat was as worst as MK Don's manager. And I think we'd, we'd replied with a really. And I think that I was quite proud of the reach that was getting for, for a considerable amount of time. Um, had some fun with Bristol Rovers. Last yeah, season, yeah, we um, can't talk about that one. The guys talk about that one, <laughs> um, but uh, I had a bit of fun with that. So that and, and, and that's the side of my job that you know, as much as I get a buzz out of writing a website story or or working with a player to do a really nice interview piece or 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 you know working with a manager to get through a, a tricky situation from a PR perspective, you know, I do get a buzz about social media posts because the you know the interactions we have and. You know, I think signings are a big one of that. You know, there's nothing better than announcing a signing. And, um, you know, sometimes you don't know how they're going to go. I think we've had ones in the past. We've only had a few. Uh, you know, I remember Reese Healy stands out for me when we knew we'd signed him back and, and we'd come up with all these content ideas. And you just knew it was going to be 100% success. There was going to be no one questioning it. No one underwhelmed by it. It was 100% going to be a success. And the fun of putting that content together and know you're going to put it out and you know, it's going to hit and you know, you know, and that's a lot of fun. Um, and you know, my, my girlfriend will hate me because I'll, I'll tell her that I, I got to be at work. I got to stay at work to announce a signing, but I'll be home as soon as we announce it. And as soon as I get home, all I want to do is check how it's, how it's reacted. It's not, a, it's not a case of throwing up. I want to see the reactions to it. And Gilby was similar this year. Yeah. The exclusives yeah. are, are rare, right? We don't, we don't nice. always get an exclusive to go, Often something leaks in the media or some. I was going to say about that, yeah. I mean, so, so when you get them, I guess Reese and, and maybe you were about to say Gilby was one recently where you you your processes run so smooth that you do get the opportunity to surprise everybody. I think Mo was like that as well. Yeah, yeah, just out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's rare, and um, you know, I think part of the game we live in, you know, the game at the moment, you know, certainly in the Premier League. Um, nothing is a secret, so you know. I suppose at League Two, you, you League what League One, League Two, you have more of a chance of getting it because obviously the the newspapers and stuff aren't really running it. Um, it can be frustrating, you know. I, I've had so many times I've gone into Liam's office and we've been so devastated that something's leaked. Um, but th- things get out for for a number of different reasons. Um, some of it's quite clever, you know. From sometimes actually, from a club's point of view, stuff that leaks can give us a bit of a gauge on what the fans are thinking so we can maybe shape our content. So it's not always the end of the world if, if stuff gets out because we can get a bit of an idea of how a certain bit of news is, is going down. So, you know, I won't admit to we've done it, but I know certain clubs certainly leak stuff to, to get a bit of a flavour for what the fans are thinking and then they can shape their content off the back of it. Um, so it's not always the end of the world. Some things leak for certain reasons. Some things, you know, certain 
journalists out there that people will take verbatim. They're not always right. There's 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 certain things that get leaked for for you know certain people's benefits that aren't necessarily true. So um, you know, ultimately, when a signing is you know, and they, uh, uh, probably good opportunity to dispel a, a myth that's I think out there that we sit and hold on transfers for days until a Friday to make it you know hit hit you know as best as can in terms of social media outputs there's been one or two times I think in the entire time I've worked here where we've actually held a player back till the next day um Liam will tell you we as soon as Liam gives me the thumbs up that the paperwork's been signed and it's complete within hours we're getting that news out so yes it might seem like we're holding on it because it leaked three days ago that we're close to signing but you know I assure you it's certainly under my time here and you know, hopefully it continues that way as soon as the signings out we, we get that news out there as soon as we possibly can uh, we work hard to get the content while the, the, the you know the transfers you know still going on so sometimes we even do our content before the medical that stung us a couple of times doesn't it Liam <laughs> I've got some players uh I've got some players uh doing some interviews that uh, have never played for this football club um <laughs> but uh you know it, it you know, I, I want to dispel that myth that that we sit and hold it. I re, I assure you, 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 the fans are one of the first people to know as soon as it's actually official. Um, but obviously, and of course, we would never put anything out until it's signed, sealed, delivered. Anyway, on um on, on that as well, one thing that uh, just a uh, in with transfers, one of my favourite um posts is quite a niche one was deadline day in fifteen sixteen. I think it was Alex Ravel and J Manuel Thomas. Yeah. Um, so I mean, in media, how are transfer deadline days uh chaos they're they're weird times because i mean i've had i've had really i've had really quiet ones uh where we've not done anything and we've kind of got to be there just in case and then there's been some which are just chaos um because you know certainly the busiest man on deadline day by the way is liam sweet and so i'm not trying to you know (laughs) um say woe is me here that that (laughs) liam is as busy as anyone could possibly be but um you know perfect example was the one we just had um you know that was up until the wire um and then once liam given me the the agreement you know I, if if possible i've already gathered the contents so we've got a picture of the player and, and we've got some quotes but this year for example Anthony stewart's up in scotland uh and he wasn't comfortable giving me any quotes until um the deal had signed which is completely accurate so i had to wait until the deal had signed which was minutes before the deadline before he's comfortable enough to give me some quotes to put in the in the article um once it's all agreed i've then got to speak to the opposition club to arrange a time to announce um so we can't ever announce without liaising with the other club so that club might not get back to me straight away they might have something else lined up um that that, that they want to get out beforehand so you're juggling act in terms of when things are going out you've then got to upload this content edit the content um get ready in social media wise so it it can it can be a lot of a lot of chaos but ultimately it's good news and you know this this deadline was a bit of fun with um you know thought we'd have a bit of a tease and, and say we were shut before we you know done with business before we were but um that was after i'd uh i'd had half a pint in the in the pitch <laughs> bar as i was sitting with my laptop and uh ready to get everything announced but no they they are they are busy times but they're, they're good fun and, and the club have always been quite good at ensuring we have a healthy supply of pizza as well so it helps you get through Fantastic. And obviously, when we get a guest on, we always ask them a few questions about what they want to ask you. Um, as you can imagine, when we said Liam's coming on, um, a lot of questions about January. I think we'll say those for another time. Um, but the questions that were actually asked to Anne, um, 
so Matt Wilcox asked, has there been a, a what's the most underrated game you've potentially covered? And that depends on what context you want to give it. But ooh. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an MK. I'll have a think of an MK Don's one. The one that comes to mind immediately is Brazil. Not MK Don's oh, game. Yeah. So, so when Brazil came here, which I think often gets forgotten that we had Brazil play at our stadium. You know, actually Brazil. Um and yeah, you know, it was such a surreal time. Um, they stayed in the hotel, so while well, we didn't have access to them, they were in their own area. But we were fortunate enough to work with the Brazil FA, and, and we got to interview Roberto Firmino. So I spent some time with him, interviewing him um, while we were waiting for him. Like Neymar walks past, uh, and you just you, you're in MK Dons' stadium, and all these guys are here. And you know, I don't think there's many stadiums in the country that Neymar's played at. There's certainly not in this country. There's not many stadiums. In this country that Brazil have played played at, and um, look, I get, I get the um, the frustration. I think sometimes that fans have in terms of this stadium, and and you know the the fans see it as MK Dons' stadium, and obviously a number of events take place here, and, and I I see that frustration, I understand it, but I think moments like Brazil and the Rugby World Cup, the Women's Euros, these international games, I think they just validate us as a, as a football club. Um, and I think we're always going to be battling that. You know, there's always going to be people who look at us and, and question where we are, but I think we should be proud of, of having hosted these events. You know, I think it really validates us. And, you know, we're, we're a League Two football team at the moment and, um, you know, we're never going to be anyone's favourite. But for a club that's spent its career in League One, League Two, we've, we've, we've hosted some of the country's biggest events. I think that's something we should be extremely proud of. Um, ultimately, you know, the, the the key thing needs to be to get the football team and MK Dons actually, you know, enjoying those moments and creating those, you know, big stage moments. And I think that's, you know, of course, that's where the club wants to get to one day. And, you know, I hope it does. And I'll be watching on and supporting it, hoping it does as well. But I think in the meantime, um, I think we should be proud of of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, for me being involved in it, to be able to say that I've covered Brazil, you know, fans that were there, to be able to say that you watched Brazil in your own stadium, you know, you've been able to watch internationals in your own stadium. You, you, if you went through a list of the players that have played at Stadium K, it would be phenomenal. And there's not many teams in League 1 and League 2 that would be able to say that. Um, there's not many teams in the Championship would be able to say that in terms of the players, the calibre of players that they've had play at this stadium, their stadium. Um, so, no, I think... I think that, that springs to mind. And I think I went, I went through earlier in terms of the underrated games. In, in yeah. the promotion seasons, it's not... Yeah, yeah don't get me wrong. Yeovil was a great day. Mansfield was a great day. But and Man United. But it's the ones in the build-up to it that you've... When, when Immediately when I think back, it's it's not those games that come to mind. I told you, it's the Fleetwood game that comes to mind for me. It's the, the Forest Green Rovers in the 89s. Yeah, Swindon. I remember that. Easter Saturday. Um, Louis pushing Mark Cooper over. Yes, live um, on TV. Yeah, all all of those. There's there's so many of these games that you know during a season, and even you know, I know we, I know we didn't get there, but the Liam Manning year had so many of them as well. You know, winning yeah. away at Sunderland, uh, Wickham. Um, you know, so many days in the Burton last minute. Like, you, there's so many games that, um, and you only hope that this year can be one as well. And already ones like Salford will probably stand out as a really good day. And, you know, you'd like to think that if we can get there this year, Salford will be one that the people there will be like, that was a good day. That was a good day. And I think it's got the makings of that, the way you kind of face some adversity, 
Um, you know, the way we, the timings of the goals we scored, the goals that we scored, the way it celebrated, I think hopefully that could be another one. Colchester this year as well um, will be another one, I think, hopefully that come the end of the season, if we're, if we're celebrating promotion, those are the type of games that people will remember as well. Fantastic. And I think one of the one that we'll read off from Paolo, I mean, you mentioned about um, that season about Sunderland, etc. Um, he mentioned about what was it like being around like the Twines, the Darlings, the O'Reilly's during that season. We did finish third. I was didn't quite get over the line, but uh, that group with Manning was arguably one of the best we've seen in the club, if not the best, potentially. Yeah, and you do feel that, you know... I think I think it was a perfect storm. I think we we, we did a fantastic job of bringing that that squad together. Um, great personalities, and they kind of all vibed off each other. And you know, it was important for us to to try and get that across to the fans. And I hope I like to think we did um, in terms of getting those personalities across. Um, yeah, and, and and that's the that's a really special part of my job. Um, you know, working with players that you you genuinely deep down know that they're going to go on and do something. Um, in their careers, you know, I was very fortunate to work with Delhi um, right at the start. Um, did his first interview when he um, just after he made his debut against Cambridge City, and then with the program for the replay. And I sat down and spoke with him for that. Um, and you know, working with players like that, you just you have moments where you're like, do you know what? I think you're going to go on and do something. It's really rewarding to, to try and play a part in that. Ultimately, it's their football that's the most important thing. I'm not trying to say that I have that big a part to play, but. Certainly, when you go then go and see Delhi do an interview, or you see Scott Twine go and do an interview, or Harry Darling go and do an interview in the future, and you, and you feel like you've had a part to play in their journey to get to that point, it, it, it's really it's a part of the job that that I'll always appreciate. And um, yeah, work with some fantastic group. That season was was brilliant. You know, I I still speak to um, a lot of the people from that season because it's just I think the way we all came together, I think the circumstances that the season started in. Um, help create a bond immediately between the fans and the players and the staff. Like everyone kind of felt like we were in it together after that moment. But, you know, we went through some some really big memories together and moments together. And it's, it is such a shame that that team didn't get over the line because I think we all deserved it that year. Um, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, fortunately didn't be able to get there. But no, that was, that was, that was a special group. And, um, you know, the, the, I will come back to it. I'm not just saying it. The, this group, This group's got the makings of that as well. Some good people in there. Um, really good characters. Some some players I think are going to have a big part to play for this football club this season and moving forward as well. So, um, you know, fingers crossed we can be talking about this group in the same in the same manner. Absolutely, think, absolutely. As you were saying on um, last uh, the the Liam Manning season as well, I think you know um, between us, like friends and people going regularly to the matches, we we all have the common consensus that it was a better season than the season we actually got promoted to the championship because, and I think that's no, not in, um, you know, not, not a lot of it contributed is the bond between the players and the fans, which you definitely helped with. And, you know, those after game videos, I remember, you know, would be refreshing Twitter, waiting for it, right, wait for it to be posted. Like what the ones like the Wickham one, you know, after it was, yeah. you know, feisty game, holding on backs against the wall. And, you know, it was like two, three minutes, the Rotherham one for me. And I think it's, you know, it might be subtle at the time, but looking back, a lot of what was so good about that compared to the season we actually did go up was just the bond you had with the players. Mm. And um, yeah, I think that that was definitely helped by, by the work you did. I think, no, I think ultimately, these, you know, we've had, and I, you know, unfortunately, we've had groups that before that have been really good personality wise, but it's difficult to get across in certain moments. You know, I think. Last year's team had some really good characters in it as well. Uh, obviously, it didn't go the way we wanted to do at all. Um, 
Uh, and naturally, you're going to have a lack of a connection with a team that's not successful. Um, I think a lot of what we built was through the, the celebrations. I think through, through through good moments, you start to build those those bonds. Um, ultimately, you're relying on the players to have the personality and the ability to go and, and fist bump. We're lucky we've got people like Danny Harvey that you can always go and stick a camera in front of. And, <laughs> and Peter Chioso was always really good. Warren's always really good uh, that year. Um, you know, Joe Tomlin's is starting to become really good. Cameron Norman as well. So um, this year's group. So you know, we have to be in the right place at the right time to get that footage, obviously, and, and we have to be able to put it out. But um, no, look, I think I think we've. That, you know, unfortunately, we've had some good groups in the past. We've not been as good at that that personality cost. But um, you know, I think uh, you know that 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 year was was special. That we did have we did have fantastic characters, and it's no surprise that a lot of them, you know, they haven't necessarily gone on to probably achieve what yet what we thought they were going to go on and achieve. But it's no surprise that they're all playing and, and at clubs at a higher level because they were fantastic fantastic players and characters. And yeah, I suppose. Um... Uh, Alex Harvey mentions it. I know you're not going to reveal it on here. Of course you're not. But I was at your last game tomorrow against Grimsby at home. Probably an emotional one for you. I suppose you probably are looking forward to it. But um, I suppose you look forward to the opportunity. Obviously, um, you know, where around the street is it? It's higher up in the divisions. But how are you feeling about it all? Uh, yeah, mixed emotions. Um, it's really starting to sink in now, talking about it today when you, you're doing things for the last time. Um, to think that I'm not going to, you know, do my usual match day routine ever again after tomorrow here it, it is quite scary. Um, not only because I've done it for 11 years, but because I've absolutely loved doing it for 11 years. Uh, but uh, no, it's going to be emotional. Uh, I mean, it, it, I, I, I'm an emotional person anyway, so I'm, I'm prepared for that. But uh, no, I've, I've been given a very, very exciting opportunity. Um, I'm happy to say where I'm going. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm joining Chelsea uh, as, their, as their communications manager, one of their communications managers. So yeah, a very exciting opportunity for me to, to go and work in the Premier League, which is something I have always wanted to do. Um, I've, had, I've been lucky enough to have a, a couple of experiences there already, uh, games and, um, uh, and days, days, at, days at Cobham at the training ground. And uh, it's a different world, the Premier League. Um, my role is different in terms of, you know, I've, I've touched on it here in terms of it being so widespread across everything. In this job, I'm specifically doing one job, which is to, to manage the, the external media requests around the first team. So all their pre and post match interviews, the stuff that comes in during the week, um, any external media requests are so very specific jobs are different to what I'm doing now. Um, but uh, no, it, it, exciting and uh yeah, it'll be it'll be weird to watch someone else having an MK Dons on a Saturday. Um, although fortunately, uh, they play a lot of times on a, on a Sunday, so I will definitely be uh, coming back here whenever I possibly can to to get to get, to get a game in on a on a Saturday here at Stadium MK. I think as well with Chelsea, you're not going to be short of um, players that if you need an interview doing or um, <laughs> <laughs> like that, are you? Yeah, no, I've. I've um... I've had I've had a notice period to get through, and I've been, you know when, when I've had some times time off, I've been uh, researching the names. There's a long list, but uh, no, it's it's, it's obviously a, a massive football club, and you know a great opportunity for me. It's um, you know a club that I, I know a lot of people that that support them, and I've I've always kind of been able kept an eye of them through their you know through them. So um, you know a great great chance to to go and test myself at that level, and um, you know I like to think that it's a credit to you know it shows what this club can do um you know 
I'm not the first person from MK Don, certainly in the, in the media capacity, to go and work in the Premier League. In fact, I think every single press officer that's that's been at this football club has gone on to work in the Premier League, um, which I think highlights just what uh, um, you know, you know, what a football club we are. You know, we are, we are well respected. You know, we might not might not come across that way to uh, to, to the fans and in that community, but we are a respected football club. We do put people on the map. And um, I think the club should be very proud of of that. And hopefully, I can help cl- do the club some some credit moving forward with what I go on and do. Yeah, you definitely should, mate. He's very proud of what you've done for the football club. And obviously, I speak for obviously Liam, um, myself, and Joe. And, and thank you very much for everything you've done for us. Obviously, the podcast, uh, Don's action, of course, uh, Liam personally, day to day. You know, it's been a pleasure. And wish you. Well, we'll see you, of course, after. But wish you all the best at Chelsea and moving forward. I, I do thank you. I, I do want to say, you know, keep, you know, it, it's so it's so important that you guys are doing what you're doing, um, and I've always wanted to try and support that, and I and I hope the club does that moving forward. You know, yourselves, Don's Action, MKDSA, you know, even the the YouTube accounts you're starting to get now that that are doing match day coverage. All of that is so important, and uh, I speak a lot to other other press officers, you know, around the country, and a lot of them are quite distant with them and don't really like them sharing club content or, or producing these videos. And I think I, I'm, I'm the complete opposite. I think it's so important. I think, you know, you guys are creating conversation. You're getting people interested in MK Dons. You're getting people talking about MK Dons. And that's so important as we try and build, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we, we've got a long way to go in terms of the fan base and, and growing that. But you, know, you you two do play a massive part in that. Um, and, you know, your podcast great. And uh, keep it keep it up. I hope the club help, you know, continue to support you with what you're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, now I'll be listening to to get all my information and gossip because uh, <laughs> I will I will be away from all that. So I'll be the one uh, asking about transfer news and moaning that the club are holding back on uh, telling us who they're signing in January. Well, luckily, my man from the call to answer yeah. questions. So, yeah. <laughs> and and Look, you've been um, the one that's kind of, as you say, helped us with the podcast as well. So um, you know, you've been very approachable and helped us out. Um, so again, yeah, thank you for that. And then, as I said, just yeah especially the last few years, I think the, the connections that we've had as well have been in no small part down to you. And um, yeah, it's uh, all the best in the Premier League, I guess. No, thank you very much. Look, from um, from my point of view, Ant, um, I've said it to you multiple times as we've kind of reached this point, but I want to say it publicly that, um, you know, there are people that take jobs and, and join football clubs and, and we ask them to be all in and, and you have been all in and above and in every moment. So um, it's a, there's a, a personal thank you from me to say thanks for your support in some real, real challenging moments in the last two years since I've, I've taken this role. But um, as Carl said, as a, as a friend, there, there is, you know, some real valued kind of moments in there as well. And I think you leave, um, a department in a really good place, a department that you've led authentically and um, ultimately you've played a, such a, sig- a significant part in a club you've supported uh, for so long and, and for that you should be very proud and and also welcome back any time um, for sure and you'll be able to celebrate those goals against AFC Wimbledon and full <laughs> which is a, a terrific place to be. Yeah, thank you, Liam. I think that's a great way to sign off. Um, thanks to Liam and Ant once again for coming on to the podcast and obviously reflecting on Ant's time on the club. He's fantastic, 11 plus years, of course. And I look forward to seeing the next steps of obviously Ant's career and also the club's media part moving forward. Um, we'll be back later this week. So, of course, chat about the Salford game, which me and Joe went to and our Grimsby tomorrow night. 
And um, yeah, until then, come on, you don't. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.